0: We spend all our time here. I want to make it a paradise. My name is Matthew Kroll. And now, suddenly, there is nothing to love. My name is Shahir Dow. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Mother! Mother! Is <laughs> that the exclamation point? That was the in? exclamation point. Uh, yeah, those were, those were ominous quotes we began with.
1: I know. And I'm glad that we have a special guest joining us today to help us decipher both the exclamation point and our quotes. Yes. Returning guest. Purveyor of fine hats. Purveyor of fine hats. Uh, Matt Kroll is wearing a hat delivered by our guest today. CJ Johnson from ABC's Movieland podcast and Skippy TV's Watch This. Welcome back to the show, CJ. <laughs>
2: Good evening, gentlemen. Thank you very much for having me.
1: We're very excited to have you back. Thanks for coming. Yeah, you have been, uh, we have been always enjoying your feedback on the podcast recently, Uh, particularly I think of note, uh, we we kind of confirmed your opinion of the film It a little bit recently. Right. You were not a fan? uh,
2: No, I'm so glad to hear you guys also had the same problems I did with It, which was essentially it was like intro scene and then kid bumps into spooky image of clown, kid bumps into spooky image of clown, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then closing scene. It, there was no tension or build up. It was just, it, it was the same scene repeated many times. <laughs> it, I, I
1: particularly had a problem with that. I, I, you know, it's one of those things again, where I think on retrospect, I may have been a little harsh on the movie, but I, I, still, I still fundamentally think that for all the love it's getting, I don't think it's a very good movie.
0: It's, 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 no, it's, it's, it has some sh-
1: fine scares and I'm glad people are enjoying it at the movies and people are kind of engaging with a film that way, but I don't actually think it's a good
0: movie. I liked it fine for what it is. Uh, you know, and I, I think. I mean, we talked about it, but actually, oh, uh, the young lady whom I saw it with, Jamie, made a very good point. She was listening to the podcast actually uh, about it, and she had Hello, said, "Jamie, had, she had said that um, basically, uh, the we were talking about how the the bullies were sort of perfunctory, right? Yeah. Like they didn't really matter, yeah. And she made a valid point about how actually the bullies are what's causing the actual fear in the kids and making the kids the the most juicy targets for. It and I think that's an interesting take. I wonder if that was even Stephen King's actual uh, the way he was trying to think about it. I, if that's the case, I don't. I just wish the film kind of like portrayed it a little more like that. But I thought it was an interesting take to make them a little more like meaningful. I think I think that's a very generous um, generous reading of
1: of what those bullies do in the film. I, it's it's that thing where I think we were talked about on the on that episode, which was I think uh, there are very there are there are interesting readings you could take out of this, but I don't think the film actually. Does a good job of portraying right.
0: Them. I know I get that. I was just I was like, I was looking for more reasons to to, um, I guess, get rid of my issues. And that would that help. there was a slight bomb.
1: Uh, by the way, listeners, please go to uh, CJ's podcast and have a listen in and also go to Watch TV. There was an episode that I was very impressed with recently, uh, mainly because I, I speak a little bit of French, but a, a, an incredibly minor amount. But CJ actually did a full interview in French uh, about a Jean-Paul Belmondo Whoa. festival uh, that was playing in Australia. I was incredibly impressed by the, the conversation there. I'm, I'm guessing CJ is a very fluent French speaker. Uh, but Merci was, beaucoup, monsieur. Yeah, très bien, très bien. Uh, but it was just... <laughs> it, was, it was just, you know, what was funny as uh, I was watching it um, and going, I, I, can, I, I have this problem with the French language, which is that I can kind of understand when people are speaking and I can kind of make out what people are saying. But it was a great conversation uh, it was spoken entirely in French, which was entirely appropriate for that film festival. Uh, so please check that out. Uh, I'm a big fan, obviously. Thank you. If you are interested in uh, hearing more of our opinions or writing us in and giving us your opinions on movies, you can do so at OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at OnlyMoviePod. We have got a uh, a listener uh, piece of feedback on Mother, which maybe I'll save until we get into the actual review. Interesting.
0: Um, Oh wait, is this a first? Is this an only podcast about movies first where we're going to take a listener's um, uh, write in about a movie we technically haven't reviewed yet? Well, the
1: thing is, this Listener this is a very special listener and dear to our hearts. We both know her, Annie Gillies, and ah, she yes. was going to be on the show. She's been on the show on our light, uh, light between oceans episode, uh, and I'm sure will appear in our Tomb Raider episode as she is an enormous fan of Alicia Vikander. Um, uh, but uh, she was going to appear uh, to discuss Mother, but couldn't make it uh, because of other uh, commitments. So we're sad to miss you out, uh, miss out on you, Annie tonight. Uh, but CJ, you have big shoes to fill.
2: <laughs> good, 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 good. I'm pleased. I, if I if I wasn't contributing to this episode by actually being on it, I would need to be doing what Annie's doing and writing in my own <laughs> right, views right. anyway. Because of all the films this year, this is the one that most obviously demands discourse.
1: <laughs> <It, yeah. laughs> the yeah. movie demands to be talked about. Let's talk about that in a second. Matt, tell us what Mother is about.
0: Oh, are you ready for the IMDb uh, wonderment? I, uh, hit me. Okay. Right in the face. <laughs> And then read the IMDb. (laughs) (laughs) A couple's relationship is tested when uninvited guests arrive at their home, disrupting their tranquil existence. Accurate. Accurate. To the point.
1: That is is entirely accurate. That is highly accurate. And I think I actually think
0: nothing is false.
1: I actually think that is a good synopsis of this film.
0: Well, it's a good synopsis to not spoil anything.
1: Yeah, not spoil anything. Uh, It doesn't quite give away the tone and uh, where the film goes. But this is a film that has had much divisive opinion this year. To the point where I'm going to read the Observer review, uh, just the just the the last couple of lines of the Observer review from Rick's Reed, who is who can be a little bit of a contrarian, I must admit, but. His,
2: you wouldn't know anything about uh, that his
1: his review isn't
2: rex reed about 96 my hey, god he he around for a
1: while yeah uh, nothing about mother makes one lick of sense as darren aronofsky's <laughs> corny vision of madness turns more hilarious than scary with so much crap around to clog the drain i hesitate to label it the worst movie of the year when the worst movie of the century fits even better and
0: also, why are these kids using cell phones all the time? It seems like they just use the corner phone on the wall.
1: To be fair, he's 96. He might have seen, you know, he's, he's seen a century of movies. So. And
0: why, why do these <laughs> movies have sound? You don't need, just need the pictures. That's uh, true. That
2: is, the, that is the lunatic writings of an old man who doesn't get it. That's just bullshit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's also one of the few movies, and it's incidentally, I was reading up on CinemaScore. CinemaScore has been around since 1980 and is basically an aggregate of exit scores from uh, premier screenings of movies. And in the time that CinemaScore has been around, since 1980, basically 16 movies have been given an IF score mm. at CinemaScore. Wow. And, Cinema, and Mother is now one of those. Mother! Um, I can even point to, uh, uh I, I'm just loving this because this is, this is all across my feed. People who are normally, uh, very, uh, eloquent about their feelings about movies, other <laughs> filmmakers that I know, are suddenly filling up with my, my feed with how, awful this film is and how much they, and <laughs> oh, really? And, and they do it with such vitriol. Like they're, they're accusing Darren Aronofsky of being a big budget film school filmmaker, uh, of being, um, uh, completely inept and 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 the the famous story of, of Darren Aronofsky, uh, which if you haven't read the press notes, says that he wrote this film in five days, uh, being an example of that he should have just taken more time to do it. The New York Times has published an entire article about um, mothers, uh, people responding to mother and then listener comments are things like um, the dumbest movie ever. This movie gave me a stomach ache. Uh, I love, love, love these two actors, but this was just horrible. Um... So this uh, so this movie is about a middle-aged guy married to a woman, 20 years his junior, junior, unspeakable violence done to a woman. Sounds original. Seriously, I think the most shocking thing about this is the idea that a couple can survive and own a home based on a poet's salary. Um, and, so and, so a a <laughs> uh, and so on and so on. That is a good burn. That is a good burn. And so on and so on. You've got to get better friends because... Ah, oh, this is point. the New York Times. That's from no, the New York no, Times. No, no, but
2: what you said earlier about people all over your feeds... <laughs> sort of saying how much they thought the film was awful. I was in an appointment the other day and when I stepped out, I turned on my phone and I looked at my Facebook feed and three of my friends from all over the world had um, had, had just seen Mother at various cinemas around the place and they all were posting about how much they absolutely loved it. So- oh, wow. I,
1: I, I, I got to say... I haven't yet to see. And I think the reason this might be the case is the people that I think love this film aren't the kind of people that jump on Facebook to, to shout about any movie or every right. movie. The people who, who hate this movie are the kind of people who get on Facebook whenever anything pisses them off.
0: I gave up on people a long time ago. Uh, so I I don't, I, I just haven't been, I just, I'm talking to you two. Um, let's do a little,
1: let's do a little uh, pre-roll back here. Oh, um, How are we on? I, 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 I feel like I, I often take the point of view of, of looking at the director's body of work and looking at film as a director's
0: medium. It's all about the body with you, Here. Why it not is, the mind? Huh? Why
1: well, not? I'm all into the body. Okay. That That's is what true. it is. Um, And so in this case, I I mean, many cases that may not be justified because we were talking about filmmakers who are making their first or second film. The body of work doesn't necessarily matter. You know, who is the auteur? Is it the screenwriter? Is it the director? Is it uh, the actor? We know who the auteur is here. (laughs) But in this case, in the case of Darren Aronofsky, I think it's very difficult not to say that that any film of his is a direct reflection of who he is as a person. Absolutely. Uh, And he's a filmmaker... I am very, very interested in uh, having seen uh, and interestingly, I saw Pi uh, when I was at university in, um, in New Zealand, and I was taking calculus, mm-hmm. and my entire calculus class decided to go to the Film festival uh-huh. and see a film based on Pi and based on mathematics. Oh how cool. Yeah, yeah, and it was really cool because there was all these you know people that were interested in there was all this there was all this uh, talk in Pi about uh, Fibonacci's theorem, so it was things that we were learning about at the same time. but for me, it had to actually be the, uh, the point at which where I kind of decided, oh, I'm less interested in hard sciences and I'm more interested in technical in, in, in the in the arts in the, in the way that film was made. Um, Requiem for a Dream is a film I absolutely adore, but have only seen once because I saw it when I had a fever and I listened to the soundtrack for on repeat for the next few days, and it has always kind of left uh, 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 quite an impression. I think it's a masterful film, but I've never seen it again. Maybe it doesn't hold up. I'm not entirely sure. No,
2: it does. It's incredible, and I show requiem for a dream to my students uh, earlier this year and they're 20 something film students very switched on very intelligent kids and it totally freaks them out it absolutely bugged them out so it still got all of its amazing strange scary power you know?
0: i am um, i i'm gonna be the contrarian yeah. here for a second uh, i've only seen it once as well and to be honest i don't remember disliking it mm-hmm. but it i couldn't i couldn't Tell you, I couldn't describe a, a lick of it to you. I saw it again when I was in college. Uh, it did not grab me at all, but it's grabbed nearly. Wow. I know. Nearly every one of my friends, it's on their top tens. And I'm, and I've, it's funny, I've meant to go back and I will. um, But it just never, it didn't have that power the first time. And I I keep trying to think back like, oh, like, was I, was I doing something else? Did I, you know, heroin? Was I, was I literally doing heroin? Um, It's basically
1: train spotting, but not, but nowhere near as fun. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) So I do need to see it again. uh, But I just, it's It's funny because I got the most intense last 20 minutes
2: of any uh, film ever
1: <laughs> accompanied by one of the most intense and well-used scores
0: by Clint Mansell and the Kronos Quartet. It's uh, funny cause I don't yeah. doubt any of this. I don't know why it didn't hit. So I, I have to do it again. There must've been, there was a glitch in the matrix that day.
1: I have a sneaking suspicion. The film won't hold up as much for me personally, because I feel
0: because now you're not on
1: heroin. Uh, I'm not on heroin for one. It's, <laughs> was it heroin or speed that they were doing in, in Requiem? I, I can't remember. I don't remember. Requiem is heroin. It is heroin. Okay, um, it's heroin. At one point, they
0: all take an ecstasy just to have a break, just, from have a break heroin. Heroin. just, to, just to have a nice change of pace.
1: I have a certain suspicion <laughs> yeah. that that my the 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 comments on my Facebook feed that accuse Darren Aronofsky, particularly in the case of Mother, of being a film school filmmaker, might hold true to Requiem for a Dream because I feel like that film is so. Um, didactic in structure and in tone that it might come across maybe now to me. Hmm. I'm not sure.
2: Well I'll CJ have to just it. said it wouldn't. Well to, to no, his I really don't think so. It is it was bold and revolutionary and striking in its day. And now when you look at it, you just see how many people it's influenced right. and how big bigger as I say, an influence it has been on other filmmakers. And it is still terrifying and it is still amazing and operatic and huge in its use of image and music and despair. You know, you can see the direct line from it to mother.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I, I just, I, I guess I'm just worried about all the sort of the obvious, I am a director kind of moments, you know, the, the split screen, the, the Irish, sure, punkuses, sure. the the way the music used. but I, well, that's I, what he is. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm well, and the reason I'm, I'm sort of worried, kind of not just wor- not worried, but just kind of like, Oh, maybe I won't respond to that. Was because of what happened after Requiem for a Dream So the famous story is that uh, The Fountain was going to be his next film It was this sort of magnum opus Science fiction relationship Story that at One point was going to star Brad Pitt who had Grown out this long beard it was going to be filmed In <laughs> uh, right. in Sydney Australia uh, And all of a Sudden the film got cancelled because I, I believe uh, and CJ you Might correct me if I'm wrong here uh, Brad Pitt was divorcing Jennifer Aniston at the time and decided to take a hiatus from movies and this ninety million dollar production that had built sets that was basically waiting for its star to arrive had to be entirely dismantled. Uh and that's
2: right. That and, was so
1: weird. Yeah it was a strange, strange time and Mr. Aronofsky himself had to rewrite a ninety million dollar film down to thirty million dollars and re and recast it with uh with his then girlfriend at the time Rachel Weisz, and uh and Australian superstar Hugh Jackman.
2: Yeah um, and, th- and then he married Rachel Weisz, yep. and he has a, and he has, a, and he's subsequently divorced her, and he has a 10 year old son with her, yep. which is all kind of important knowledge to know when you see mother.
0: Also, that he is now dating Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence, which is the strangest thing of all in the <laughs> entire
2: Aronofsky story, because when you see mother, one of the multiple readings of mother is do not. Whatever you do, date Darren Aronofsky.
0: Yeah, the, it literally it, it plays out like a cautionary tale. Not even a like an instruction manual to never yes. date that man. And yet, um, okay, I, I mean, and yeah, yeah. Uh, I try,
1: I try not to get too hung up on the personal lives of the filmmakers i love because i just think it's it's sort of uh it gets in the way of enjoying the work for the work's sake well, I but mean, I,
0: then it gets into that whole like michael jackson artist you love whatever argument well too. The, it's but, just the, very... but the irony
1: is is like when i found out, <laughs> when i found out that rachel vice had left darren aronofsky and my and i was telling my wife and i was i was i just had this sort of like how dear she kind of what? approach to because, because I, you know, in my mind, Darren Aronofsky is a master filmmaker who I love. And I was like, <laughs> I'm sure you can do no better than that man. Uh, now <laughs> I, I might think twice about yeah, that. I think,
0: uh, I think you might have been skewed initially.
1: I will say. I adore him as a
0: filmmaker. Man. And I suspect that as
2: a person, he is a, <laughs> He is a self-loving
1: prick. I suspect. (laughs) Um, I will say the confidence. The Fountain is a film that doesn't quite work for me. I think it's a film. I think it's a again. It it demonstrated his ambition as a filmmaker in terms of science fiction, what he was trying to do in terms of practical effects, in terms of telling a metaphysical story uh, through cinema, which is something that a lot of people don't aim for. I did not see the Fountain. Um, It's it's well worth your time. I just I personally found that it had one singular idea uh, about life and death and it just plays that the entire way through mm. and i found it not to be particularly resonant though i admired it certainly uh cj how did you feel about the fountain
2: i didn't see the fountain that's oh, the one wow. i haven't seen i started it once and i uh i stopped it and then i just didn't feel compelled to go back so i <laughs> I feel guilty that I no, haven't no, seen not it, at in a all. I, did, I nah, will see it at some no point. There's no guilt here.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I, what was the, the film I recommended to you guys last time was Time Crimes. I, I, am much, I feel much stronger about you guys seeing Time Crimes.
2: I watched the, Time Crimes on and, your recommendation. And I did enjoyed you,
1: it. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm, I, I felt like I might've lost my touch. Uh, no, no, it was fun. It was, it was creepy fun. I liked it. Um, then he went, then, then something remarkable happened, which is that Aronofsky entirely changed track yep. into a film that would kind of transform who and what we understood about Darren Arrowski. He made the Oscar nominated feature film, uh, the wrestler, which yep. did Mickey Rourke win the Oscar for it? I believe it. I don't think no. he did. No, he's he, did nominated. he was nominated. He lost to Sean Penn, for
2: yeah. uh, playing, um, Harvey Milk. Oh, Harvey Milk. Didn't there he? you go. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, my, I thought the wrestler was incredible and yeah. I thought yeah. Mickey Rourke was incredible in that
0: movie. Wrestler is my favorite of his, if his films up to this point. Okay. That's, uh, uh it's, it's, Ooh, that's a tough one for me. I know. Well, it's, it's just because, like, I don't know. It, 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 that movie struck every correct chord for me and it did it incredibly artfully. Uh, for, for yeah. on, a, on a topic that normally doesn't get, uh, artful, um, I guess, uh, portrayal. Uh, it just, uh, you know, it, there's, there's plenty of good wrestling documentaries and, and things like that about the actual lifestyle, but I, it never was sort of portrayed, um, it's so strange, like the the if if not reality, then the feeling of what that reality must be like, and he just nailed that entirely with that film. Uh, yeah,
2: absolutely, it is it, for what it is, for what it wants to be. I think it's kind of a perfect film. Yeah, it's just astonishingly exact and precise the performances the script the fact that he shot on 16 millimeter i mean it does feel like a documentary in those bits where you know he's buying the steroids in the locker room or yeah. he's being told how to use the razor blade in the locker right. room and it's just it is just so real uh it's, i can't believe how good that film is. actually <laughs> i can't believe how how mickey rook managed to
1: make himself look like that for that film didn't, yeah. he, didn't he just kind of look like that anyway isn't mickey rook well he days? wasn't that built Oh, okay. I, I was thinking referring to the, like the overuse of plastic surgery. Oh, in his sure. Personal oh, life. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I mean his body. No, his face is all screwed up from <laughs> from being pounded in the ring right, from right. boxing.
1: And I think well, to me, the thing about the wrestler was that it it showed a deeper humanity to, to to Aronofsky as a filmmaker. I think you know there was a potential to think that that as a filmmaker, Aronofsky is kind of a structuralist. he is someone who who uses structure and nonlinear narrative and and very precise camera tricks to to tell stories. but the wrestler was Rugged, rough around the edges. It had that documentary feel to it. It felt very, very warm and inviting. and it felt very human. And I thought this was a different side yeah. to we' seeing Taranovsky. yeah
2: and and there's no there's no camera tricks or <laughs> operatic crescendos or any of that. And so, as does, it's actually his outlier, right. It's. Well, even though it's the film that feels most like other people's films for him, it's his film that feels least like the rest of his films.
1: That's, that's very, that's very well put. I think, I think that's absolutely right. So maybe that if you haven't watched a lot of Aronofsky's films, and if for some reason you walked in and saw mother for the first time, and that yeah, was if the first- just seen the wrestler and this, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, I would say go back and check out the wrestler and then go through everything else as well. Um, yeah. he followed of course with black Swan, which was uh, Natalie Portman's Oscar winner, a yep. uh, film that I adored. I think it. It sort of fused what we saw of of Aronofsky's earlier work, like Requiem for a Dream and The Fountain and Pie, into what he'd kind of come to with The Wrestler, which was this sort of organic human story, but but still fused with a kind of body horror that was evident in uh, Requiem for the Dream, Requiem for a Dream and Pie in particular, mm. um, which I really enjoyed. Yeah.
2: And Black Swan was also nominated for Best Picture, right? Um, and When you look at – I think Black Swan is a masterpiece. I think it's incredible. Uh, To decide between that and Requiem for a Dream of of his films for my favourite would be very difficult. But Black Swan, if you look at Black Swan and The Wrestler, essentially they're the same story and the ending of both is the same. It's the same ending. One is the Darren Aronofsky operatic metaphysical version and one is the human – documentary version.
1: (laughs) Something much warmer and something friendlier versus something very dark. And it's, it's ironic. I I don't know why this, this strikes me as ironic, but the wrestler story feels very warm and human. Whereas the ballerina story feels very dark and sinister. Uh, And cold. Yeah. uh, And cold. Um, Then he, uh, and and this is all going to, I want to go through this because this is all leading to mother. We've only got one more to go and that's Noah. So Noah was his kind of first Religious epic, and I'm saying the first because this might be because yep. the mother might be
0: his second. Um, oh, definitely Noah. I is, would argue that mother is his first one.
1: Well, have, yeah. you have you seen Noah? No. It? Okay, so Noah obviously the te- the telling of Noah Noah's Ark. Uh, a film that I kind of felt was. An odd one in Aronofsky's uh, uh, oeuvre um, in that it was...
0: God bless you. <laughs> thank you.
1: Um, it was essentially a retelling of the Noah's Ark story in a sort of Lord of the Rings-esque style, sort Ugh. of a big fantasy opera. It was, to be fair, it was a film that I didn't have much interest in seeing other than Aronof- for Aronofsky, and it was a film that I thought was much better than I thought it was going to be.
0: Now, did, is that because, it, it, this is, happens to me all the damn time, <laughs> Uh, Is it because you had so little expectations going in that when it met minimal bars, you're like, okay?
1: no, I think what my my biggest concern with that is I'm not interested in religious stories uh, uh, told on the big screen because I've I've especially told what I what I was hoping for in that film was some degree of interrogation of religious doctrine. And and uh, what I don't. and from what I saw in the trailers that that film wasn't going to do that it was going to tell literally the story of Noah building an ark that you know all animals were going to be saved upon.
0: but turn him into like a Herculean sort
1: of hero type a little bit sort of gladiator you know because it's Russell Crowe a little bit Lord of the Rings it has got one miraculous sequence in the middle of it which is basically a stop motion time lapse of the (laughs) entire retelling of the of the universe from the kind of from a religious point of view but it somehow manages to fuse sort of a spirit belief with evolution um which i thought was quite it was it was very striking when i saw it quite impressive uh and it's, it's also just, got
2: a pretty good flood
1: yeah he's got a pretty great flood going <laughs> in there Though i wouldn't i would expect nothing less from an oscar-nominated director at at that level you know with that particular kind of film it was, it was clearly kind of going for an award season kind of vibe um, oh
2: i don't think so really oh, I, don't I don't think
0: so, so either they were doing that as an action movie Really? Yeah.
2: Well, I don't think so either. Like, to me, Noah was like – I'm, I'm a man of science. (sighs) Mm -hmm. And so when I've, you know, I I find the old Testament ridiculous and I, what I sort of think Noah was, was not pretending that it's not ridiculous. Like one of the things about when you read the old Testament, it's full of, you know, and Rachel was 937 years old when she gave Mm. birth to Becca and Becca was 768 when she married Abraham, who was 982. And Noah has all that like Noah mm. acknowledges all this ridiculous. There are rock monsters walking around. Right, it's, yeah. it's
0: like, let's do it literally to see how ludicrous it is to show you exactly how much like in the same vein it is to say a Lord of the Rings, like right. it's yeah. just I, a different source material. And
1: I think, I think yeah. that's maybe why I responded to it a little more positively than I expected to. I, I kind of found it uh, to be uh, uh, just a just fairly a fairly good yarn, not not one to take too seriously, but a fairly good yarn, and I appreciate and I enjoyed seeing Aronofsky kind of giving being given a bigger budget to kind of you know see the vision he might have expressed in a film like The Fountain. Um, sure, you know, with that kind of scale.
2: The the thing I couldn't tell after Noah, and I, I haven't seen The Fountain as I say, and so it really would have kind of made a difference if I'd known the answer to this question going into Mother was. I couldn't tell, having seen Noah, whether Aronofsky, I mean, obviously he's Jewish, we've all seen Pi, but whether he is someone who's who's a believer or not, or, you know, what his attitude was toward the Bible
0: and toward religion. I think I, mean? I, I think I know now. <laughs> I still don't know. Oh, well, we'll get to know. it. We'll get to I, what I think yeah. of it anyway. Uh when we get to I have, Mother, I,
1: I have an answer, but I think yeah, I think it's best uh, best well, we, it. we we talk about this in our review of Mother. So this leads us, of course. To Darren Aronofsky's mother, uh, not his actual. The film, the film. Mother <laughs> exclamation yeah, point. Yeah, his right. actual mother has a capital M. Yeah. Right, has of a course. Lowercase. There's
0: lower many exc- differences. Exclamation point. Do you so, think? Yeah.
1: So this was a movie that again was released uh, to much fanfare at the Toronto Film Festival, um, and and then oddly given a wide release that has perhaps backfired on Paramount to the point where they've had to issue a statement defending their decision to release this film um, where they've, they've kind of said, well, listen, we know that uh, some people aren't, are just not going to like this movie, but it's a filmmaker at the top of his game. And, and this was the interesting thing about, the, about their statement that I found really weird and oddly defensive from a studio. They said something along the lines of, nobody complains when Netflix tells an original bold story. This is our version of that as though as
0: though Well, they're trying to use buzzwords to save thing to save face in an interesting way uh i, I you know what good 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 on them good on them yes, for, good on them yeah because that's great and that's you know i know it's you could look at it from two different angles one of which is it's a it's a backstepping pr move so like they're the people they don't aren't just quiet while people trash their movie uh but the other way is looking at is being like yeah like well this is the honest truth. Like, they, you know, they they know what's in this movie. They know it's not going to sit well with some people. Uh, and that's just that. And they they still did it anyway. So good on them. Yep. They said, we we give this guy final cut and we defy you to <laughs> contradict us about this movie. I mean, how yeah.
1: would you change this movie if you took it away from him? Like, what would you do to, like, try and make this movie more palatable? Uh, You'd gonna- only
2: shelve it. There's <laughs> only one change that a studio would make, and that would be to... Shelve it, not release it.
1: I'm going to give you my I mean, quick my quick review just because I want you guys to have the lion's share of time here to talk about it. Um, because I feel like I've done a lot. Is of your talking. first thoughts is what you're saying? Yeah, my first thoughts here, just quickly. I absolutely love this film. I, I, it much, much to the, uh, to to the to the seeing of reviews that people are absolutely vitriolic against this film. I fear that I may be co- being contrarian in this case, but but I absolutely love this film. I loved everything that this film was and stands for. It not only in terms of its messaging, which I agree contains multitudes. You could read this film in many ways, and I'm less interested in very specific readings of this film. I am just glad there are multitudes of readings and people are reading it in multiple ways. and I am just happy that a film this big, this bold, this adventurous with narrative and movie stars and discussions about celebrity and religion and the, the artistic creation process, uh, is out in mainstream theaters. And I am really happy that people are seeing it and getting angry about it and wanting to talk about it. So that is my, you know, just my initial reviews.
0: Um, Matt, do you want to go next? Uh, okay. Um, uh- Uh, basically I had only seen the trailer. Uh, I didn't really do any research on it. I didn't know, you know, what anything really to expect. Uh, and then I saw it and I knew when I left the theater that I really liked it. Uh, but I wasn't sure why. Uh, And I knew that there was going to be multiple readings of it, of what it all meant, and blah, 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 blah. I had a couple. I had two rando theories, uh, both of which fell apart by the end of me watching it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I decided, normally, if if I get out of a movie that I enjoyed, but I was a little bit confused by, I'll go home right away and like research, research, research. And I was like, no, I'm going to sleep on this. I'm going to, I'm going to research it in the morning. And that's what I did. And that's when I sort of, uh, you know, matched sort of theories to my own theories, et cetera. Um, and when I was doing that, obviously I saw the negative reception and I was like, I, w- I was like, yeah, I figured some people would be like that, but I didn't expect the breadth of it to be like that. But this, I mean, this, this is a fucking movie, man. Like this is, this is good shit. <laughs> and and it should be your tagline on the poster. This is good shit <laughs> uh you know uh just not to you know you know just praise it too much but the the every and i you know we'll talk about the i feel like we're going to talk about a lot of the themes and things like that but everything in this down to the acting the cinematography the the, the sound work was amazing the vfx this is something that i was sort of interesting in because it, it does you know obviously go off the rails in in the third act a bit um and but like even though there were more i would argue more fantastical things going on in certain parts Of this movie, then say the film, it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It felt far more real and visceral to me in the effects work and the way they chose to sort of go about doing things now granted one is a demon clown and another one is well it's a bunch of things <laughs> but like uh, I, I really the the just coming from a place of seeing two very violent moments or multiple violent moments and multiple in the last two films we reviewed uh, there was something far more powerful about uh, mother than, than there was it uh, and yeah so I mean that's pretty much that's me CJ uh, what about you pal I loved it too, uh, for all the reasons that you
2: guys are just stating. Uh, Shahia, basically what you just said, everything that you just said could have come out of my mouth about this film. I loved it as an experience, I loved it as a piece of auteurist cinema and I loved everything that you were saying about it, that it exists and that it's a mainstream film and that it's got Jennifer Lawrence in it and that it's provoking debate and all of this stuff. So everything there is there and I love the themes and I, I love what it's about, which I guess we'll get into because I think it's I think it's it's the angriest film I've seen in a long, long time. And I think it's amazing that someone has been given such a large canvas to be so angry on. And I mean, we, we all know we're all feeling pretty angry at the world at the moment. Yeah. And he has been, he's an artist who's been able to express it in this, in this very unique way, which is basically a final cut piece of or out there cinema, as you say, released on 3000, 4000 screens, you know, and that's just in the United States. Let me tell you, this, Yes. My only, my main, my only quibble with the film is an aesthetic one,
1: mm-hmm. which
2: is um, the film is shot with with the exception of, I think, three shots of the house or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, the, the stuff at the beginning and the fire at the beginning and mm-hmm. at the end, the film is all shot either over Jennifer Lawrence's shoulder, behind her head or in front of her face, and Aronofsky has said that if you actually do the timing, 66% of the film is on her face, is a close-up of her face. Mm-hmm. And that decision to film the whole film with her head or her face in frame is is my only real problem with the film because it actually started to annoy me. It it made me feel so claustrophobic. I feel it almost gave me a, a vague headache while I was watching it. I kind of wanted to just jam her head out of the way. And obviously <laughs> it's a choice. I mean, there's, it's it wasn't accidental. The cinematographer and Darren Aronofsky decided this is how we're going to do it. But I think you could have achieved the same level of subjectivity without necessarily having so much head and face. So, that purely aesthetic choice riled me but thematically, I adore the damn thing
0: I was reading your uh, I cheated a little bit CJ I was reading your review today uh and that Good. I actually wrote i uh, I wrote that down that that had bothered you uh I actually really liked it did you and I and and, and I think and, and the, what got me from when you're what you just said now and in your review how it was starting to give you a bit of a headache And I was actually wondering, uh, what's your, what's your, this is a weird, weird little tangent, but follow me down this rabbit hole. What is your history playing video games in particular, uh, third person games? Uh, like shooters. Uh, No, no, not like a first person shooter. Like when you actually like see your character, but you're kind of close, you look kind of almost similarly to the way this was shot over the shoulder, back of the head. Oh no, I don't play them. Okay. There's th- games like gears of war and things like that. Um, that utilize sort of a, basically a similar style of like making sure your main character is always in the scene, but you're not seeing through their eyes. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I play a lot of them and I think that cause I could see why that could, this whole uh, thing could bother somebody and actually start giving them a headache. I feel like I'm so used to the perspective that I, I, I just instantly just latched onto it. I was like, oh, okay, this is, we're in her world now. This is what we're going to be looking at. Like, yeah. So, hardcore I, henry did it too last yeah. year I well, know. Hardcore Henry I did a first person. first person in hardcore oh, right. henry yeah this is right. a sort of a the, the third the third person or, or you know however you want to put it
1: here's what i'll say is that um first off i think i think the you know to, to to pony off that conversation, I think the look of the film is extraordinary. Matthew Libatik, who's uh, shot a bunch of uh, Aronofsky's films, uh, returns again. They shot it on, in 16mm, which, which, is is, which I think lends a sort so of good. Uh, unusual aesthetic, particularly for today. I, I mean, a, fr- a filmmaker friend of mine, we always talk about uh uh, when you shoot on film the film actually has sort of a breathable life quality to it
0: it reminded me for whatever reason especially near the end of sleep no more the 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 actual the the play in new york uh there's so much aesthetics to it that just made that it sort of felt i think it had to do with the 16 mil like just very touchable like everything felt like i don't know a textured uh down to the way it was shot
2: um, and also because the film is so dark, that brings out the grain. So you yeah. can feel the grain of the, of the 16 millimeter film.
1: I, I loved the, the, the choice of, of framing the film from, uh, from uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character, the mother character in this film. I, 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 and y- the thing i think you know that that's tricky about what you're saying cj in terms of like whether it riles you or not is that is that the problem is is that this film is such a singular vision that even if it riles you you can't deny it as a choice that was made and a and a very um deliberate choice and so even if it kind of riles you and it doesn't work for you it's not a case where you think uh, where i think it could work better done another way because this is such a a product of a singular driven vision that it's you know like it, it's kind of like saying. Um I th- I wish Rosemary's baby was in black and white. You know what I mean? It's, it's sort of, yeah, yeah. Y- it, it's, such, yeah,
2: no, I couldn't agree with you more. You're right. Like, I don't know how else you would have done it because it's integral to the, the fabric of the
1: film. It's integral it, to the fabric it, of the way Aronofsky makes this film. Like, you know, you probably could, as you say, do it in other ways, but, but then it wouldn't be an Aronofsky film. And that's what makes it so powerful. Um, yeah.
2: So I'm not I'm not saying I wish it had been done another way. I'm just I, I have to say that it did kind of get in my way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And that absolutely can. I mean, that 100 percent can happen, especially with it, with something as as blatant and as in your face as this.
1: Uh, I will kind of go on this point here. There's. I mean, I do have quibbles with I the do film. too. I, I think there are there are things that I think. Are problematic in terms of the way you read it, but uh, so when people are angry about this film, I don't uh, think that that is a bad response. I don't think that yeah. that being provoked by this film and and you know and basically shoving it away is actually a bad response to this film. As long as you have a response, I think that's important.
0: And as long as you admit that it's made well. Yeah, I think it's hard <laughs> to deny that it's made well. But, I mean, But I, I know like, a lot of people kinda get up in their own grill yeah, and just be like, yeah. This is garbage and you're yeah. like, Okay.
1: Um I, I will read um uh annie's thoughts and 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 the reason i wa- i did want to have a, a a counterpoint to our conversation did you
0: figure all three of us would be like this movie's so good
1: yeah i know and i was just I, you know, <laughs> I, I always worry about that i i i like it when we we have something to chew over but but i think we we all know why we love this film which is going to which is why this conversation is going to work uh but uh but annie's thoughts were she thought that the first half of the of uh, uh, of the film was boring. Now I apologize. I'm going to sort of, kind of. Um, boring. Uh, yeah, uh, bear with She me, can't yeah.
0: defend herself, can't... so this is going to be rough. Sorry, Annie. Sorry, Annie. Yeah, yeah, sorry,
1: Annie. But uh, oh my
2: God, to
0: call any minute of this film
1: boring is <laughs> one element I can't imagine. And, and I'm reading from a text message she sent me, so I'm not. So, so I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna try and paraphrase this, you know, because you know, text text messages thing. This is one thing I will kind of. I think you know, like uh, whenever you're you're receiving notes about anything, reading the underlying note behind the note is important important and and she she was she suggested that waiting for something to happen and J. Law's, J law's monotone talking was 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 really off-putting for her was there a backstory of some kind of why where where J- jennifer's character would stay as would stay in the situation as the craziness was happening now i
0: i think there is one eventually but there, yeah
1: there is but 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 i i i don't i don't disagree with her i do i do um, not feel the same way, obviously. But it sounds like she isn't read that, the
2: film literally. Yeah, she she isn't did, that disagreeing
1: and, with her, though, what, No, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, I think your level of enjoyment of this film should be put under uh, a, a three-layered test. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, I'll pull out my textbook. Should,
2: that everyone should have to take after they leave the yeah. cinema. Yeah.
0: <laughs> A
1: three-layered test. Uh. Jimmy Kimmel has his healthcare test. I'm going to have the Shahir. will you enjoy mother test. <laughs>
2: this is this would be expensive if the fact that the movie is probably going to leave the world cinemas next week because it's kind of bombed.
1: Yeah, it, uh, it only opened to $8 million, I think, um, it has done pretty terribly. But I, I do think... The conversation around the movie might gear it into a better place, either uh, when it goes on VOD or maybe even right now, because because I know the the, the updated marketing is taking um, is embracing this kind of. Uh, as it should.
0: Also, debate. I'm going to be buying this on Blu-ray so of everyone could come over to my house and watch it. <laughs> uh, okay,
1: let's take the three tier test. The three tier test. The first tier of this test is, are you willing to watch movies as metaphor as opposed to literal? If you're not willing to, what, and there are a lot of movies that that basically opt not to work literally, but worked uh, but work purely as metaphor. You know, obviously films like Eraserhead by David Lynch, Video Drone by uh, David Cronenberg, um, uh, Naked Lunch, another Cronenberg film. There are there are um, Andrew Zalowski's Position. There are films that operate purely as metaphor, and their their narratives are not intended to be taken literally. I think if you can, I think if you don't make it past that first mark with this movie which I think is what happened with Annie um, if you're if you're not willing to accept the events that are happening as metaphor and own and purely as metaphor then then the film's probably not gonna work right away
0: I'm gonna disagree with your first yeah. test okay uh, because yes I mean if you th- this is gonna be a little bit semantical but try to follow me down this uh, yeah there's a lot of metaphor in this film of course but the re- One of the reasons this movie works is even though it's kind of a little bit all over the place and it does dip, dip into that magical realism sort of, you know, a lot. Yeah. Uh, the world it sets up is blatant in your face. I mean, right. And, you know, the beginning half that she had said is boring. I didn't find boring because of all the little hints that led me to be okay with how the movie then unfurls. The world this film sets up in very subtle but skilled ways makes it okay for me to even I'm not even talking in a, um, in a in a metaphorical sense I'm talking about from beginning to end the world this this movie portrays even if it was supposed to not be a metaphor and it was straight up like this is how this world is still made sense in its own rules. Like, it it really actually did. Now, even though it starts pretty humdrum and normal with, you know, a couple contingencies of weirdness, if you're not like watching very carefully as it moves forward and then it goes to batshit insane, I can see how that would be unnerving. But I also think you could actually, I, I, I hesitate to say enjoy, but experience and appreciate this film on a purely literal what you're seeing is what you're getting level because it sets itself up where even though I don't think that's the way it should be experienced, you could experience it like that.
1: Do you think the third act works as a literal
0: reading? Based on the first uh, based on the way it builds to that act, then yes, expect only because and I'll talk about the ending later, but only because of the ending and the tie back to the beginning. CJ I
2: suppose you I suppose you could at least on the level of, of horror film because you, right. you have to account Matt for at least you know the gaping, bleeding, burning hole in the floor. You know, there are certain elements that are obviously fantastical. Sure. And so that's what, helps, that's what helps you buy a literal in. poet with literal fans coming over and literally staging a wild party in their house. There are still those elements that are, I don't know, vaguely supernatural Right,
0: And, and as long as you accepted those, then, yes, you yes could that's sort what sort of saying. Take
2: it as literally. Yeah,
0: because 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 those small moments exist is Why? it can be. Now, again, I, want, I don't want to preface, don't do that. Don't experience <laughs> no, the film you, you, like that. You, you wouldn't, yeah, it would be pointless. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think also, you know, uh,
1: to, and we obviously are spoiling the movies at this point. Oh
0: yeah, we're in spoilers now. Um, uh, the,
1: by the third act, when chaos reigns, to borrow from another metaphorical filmmaker, Lars <laughs> von <Las Lantria, laughs> wow. Um, when chaos reigns towards the end of this film, uh, I think it's impossible to read this as literal events, rather as metaphorical. But I also found that, uh, uh, the for me, the point at which i started understanding the film as metaphor occurred around the point at which Michelle Pfeiffer appeared because Michelle Pfeiffer didn't seem to be a real person as much as he seemed to be uh, a projection of Jennifer Lawrence's own uh, anxieties. Uh, She seemed to be playing on those anxieties uh, immediately. You know, she played on the, uh, on the having children thing, the, the having a family. She seemed to be acting in a way that didn't seem realistic or literal to me. It felt, it felt much more metaphorical. And that for me personally, I, I, I would pass the first level when I started to understand, oh, this film is actually playing beyond beyond my understanding of natural horror and beyond my understand, or even supernatural horror and beyond uh, beyond a literal reading. So that's yeah, I gotta, <clears throat> Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry.
2: Oh, I was going to say like, I, 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 I avoid all trailers now. And so I saw no trailers for this. And I was a- That's a good trailer. I'm sure. I'm sure. And so I was at a critic screening that was, that started at four hours before the screening in Toronto. And so we were only on like this six hour embargo. So we were basically embargoed until the screening in Toronto had ended. And so I knew nothing except the poster. I knew nothing except the poster and that it was Darren Aronofsky and with Jennifer Lawrence. I didn't even know that Javier Bardem was in it. And so... I was try. I was following it like you follow a film, literally at first. Even though you know the first scene, the opening, the prologue tells you it's there's horror or supernatural or whatever. And so I did have this. I was, I did have to wait for a certain thing to click in, like you're describing, Shahir, to realize that it was metaphor, and that was frustrating. And it's almost as though if I knew going in to only watch it as metaphor or parable or simile or analogy, then I might have not been through the frustration of waiting for anything to make sense. And perhaps, you know, the entire, when you say all these people who are sort of hating on the film are hating on it. Perhaps if they'd gone in knowing that they were seeing a, metaphorical film they might have enjoyed it a lot more because if you are trying to make sense of it it just keeps getting away from you
0: possibly but half the fun of this movie is figuring
1: that out like it is indeed but i think i think the 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 backlash that we're seeing is uh as much as i think this is a it doesn't bother me that the marketing marketed as a horror movie because i think that's what you would do in this case it's so
0: great that it did Um, yeah
1: uh, I think people are responding to the fact that they thought they were getting a, a a horror film, but when when oddities such as the blood on the floor, the bleeding heart house, um, sort of start to become more manifest in the film,
0: Kristen Wig,
1: Kristen Wig popping up, <laughs> yeah. popping up out of nowhere. Yeah, I think I think that's what it lost her. me. <laughs> I, I think that's the point at which where people and this is again my first, you know, like I, I was trying to break down how to view this film and whether this film is right for you. If if seeing. If, if, if a movie operating at the level of metaphor, which this is doing, isn't your cup of tea, then I think you're, you're going to have a bad time. I'm
0: sorry. What are your other rules? What are the other
1: two? Yeah, so what's your second tier? My second tier is whether the metaphor resonates with you. So the other issue here is that people are responding to the obviousness and the unsubtleness with which this is a uh, – in some parts – in some parts, a retelling of the biblical story, yeah, um, and and you know, with with Javier Bardem cast as God, and with uh, Jennifer Lawrence past as mother, uh, cast as Mother Nature, and the Gleason brothers as Cain and Abel, as Cain and Abel, absolutely. Yep. And 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 the problem is, is if you are a person who. Uh, either knows and understands that story i don't think the story necessarily deviates too far from that so if if that story is not of interest if the if the messages of that particular story are are sort of trite to you then i think then then even if you are able to watch it on a level of metaphor you might not enjoy the film
0: well it deviates from that uh, the main character is, is is a deviation kind of of that from the but it's still saying the same thing he just took it in a far more interesting level level than I think that biblical story of the, the old Mm -hmm. Testament and then the new Testament sort of do. Uh, Yeah. And I, I I think there's so many tiny, just tiny, ridiculous little um, uh, and by ridiculous, I mean, good, just, uh, you know, callbacks basically to all of these biblical, I mean, hell, even when uh, Adam, the first house guest um, played by Ed, uh, Ed Ed Harris, wonderful Ed Harris. Yeah. Uh, even when he comes back after they go on a hike, mm. like you see that there's a gash on his side where oh maybe a rib was taken out. Then yeah. all of a sudden the next morning Eve shows up, Michelle Pfeiffer, and you're like oh shit yeah hell even down to oh, this, yeah
2: it's all there yeah, yeah.
0: there's a couple <laughs> things uh, the one thing I was a little bit confused about and I want to ask you guys real quick just while we're on the topic of small things before we go to tier three mm-hmm. uh, the 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 <laughs> yellow powder that she uses both in her drink and to paint the walls what did you guys think think that was i have no idea i mean
1: i would uh, this is a this is a kind of leading into well i guess it's part of my second tier which is that it's it's whether the metaphor works and whether the, the metaphor holds for you and to me i mean i could find some reading in that with in relation to mother nature and the sun and and you know something along those lines i don't know if it's necessarily true um i think the thing that i do enjoy about this movie in terms of that uh, about whether the metaphor resonates is uh, something I said at the beginning, which is I, I think that the the metaphor has multitudes of layers in this, and it can be read in many many ways. Mm-hmm. You can read this as a as a biblical story through the lens of uh, the modern uh, social age, social media age that we live through. You can read it as a biblical story through the lens of the um, parallel between uh, the creation of earth uh, alongside the creation of art. Um, you can read it uh, as you could even read it as um, as uh, as we said earlier, as a cautionary tale about uh, <laughs> what it's like to date Darren Aronofsky. Um, never I, love an artist. Never love an artist at all. Um, and so I think, for me, the reason why I enjoy, the the metaphor level actually works, and if I, you know, uh, some people who are maybe religious or, or, or interested in biblical tales might find the, the, the retelling of the Adam and Eve God story sort of a little bit trite, but I found that there were really interesting things done with it. Most of which the thing that really, really absolutely resonated and stayed with me and, and made me think about it for days on end after seeing this movie was this notion that God is a narcissist.
0: Yes. Well, yeah. hold on. First of all, yeah, yes. Yeah, I want, yeah. That's we're, interesting. We're yeah. going to go right back to that in a second. It is sunshine, by the way. That's what the yellow stuff is. If you think about it, she's always, whenever she's nervous or something horrible is going on, she has to retreat back to well, regaining energy he- from he- the sun.
1: He- here's the thing. I, I think it can, mm. be, sunshine. Sure, it can not, be sunshine. It could be anything. Or it
0: could be Powerade mix. It doesn't matter, yeah. but, the, but that's how I read it. Yeah. So this concept of God as a narcissist is my fucking jam. <laughs> I love this concept. I've loved it in every piece of media that's ever done it. I've written stories about it. I've run riffs tabletop RPG campaigns based around it. Mm. If you out there, dear listeners have not <laughs> read uh, a tale the, uh, the graphic novel from the early nineties called preacher, mm-hmm. uh, which is now a, a series, I believe on AMC that just wrapped its second season. Uh, the series is touch and go, but I do really love it. The second season is really holding up. I just started. Um, it deals with the, the idea that God not only is a narcissist, but they go a little bit farther into him and him basically abandoning the earth and just going and like mm-hmm. doing his own thing. Thing. but how this is the thing I want to talk about I, if a God exists how could he he or it let's just say it how could not not the clown how could it not be a narcissist
1: well how how CJ I don't know do you want to jump in on this
2: I love that that is one of the most resonant elements of the grand especially biblical metaphor that you guys are responding to because that's a really interesting one to me that wasn't the element of the metaphor that I loved the most but it's now that you guys are getting excited about it it's exciting me too (laughs) And and, 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 and that just goes to show as you say how many layers of meaning and metaphor are crammed into this film and it does bear the weight when you say that you can we, we we can all agree, and it's pretty obvious in the credits with the capitalizations, et cetera, of him, et cetera, et cetera, yep. that we do have the biblical metaphor. You can then look at it through, as you say, the social media lens. You can look at it through the Trump lens. You can look at it through the artist as narcissist lens and you can, whichever one reverberates most to you, you can follow that path. And I'm sure the second time I see it, I can enjoy it in a different way, you know, and maybe, but yes, absolutely. The God is narcissist thing. Now that you mentioned it, it's incredibly strongly there.
0: And another thing just off, off the back of that, CJ, there's a, there was an article on uh, polygon. By a uh, reviewer Ben uh, Cachera, or was, he was at least doing a, a think piece on it. He put it best. Uh, this is the best term. In just a short sentence about this, uh, this movie it's a mirror, not a lesson. You're, you're going to look at it, and you're going to you're going to either be affected uh, positively or negatively by what you see, and it's going to show you what you think is important in these positive or negative moments. Uh, okay, can I? P- Yeah. Can I I pick up on that? That's
2: really interesting because to me, the thing that I'm kind of really worried about as uh, the father of a daughter is actually social media is actually (laughs) where we've gone and where we've gone and how we've adapted this thing, social media and how we can't get rid of it. And even though my daughter's only three and a half, (laughs) it's going to be around and there's no stopping it. And I don't know how to prepare her for it. And it's terrifying to me what social media and the worldwide internet technology has done. It's gotten away from us. The idea that she might get drunk at something and photos of her being drunk at something will be available forever. And the idea that someone might troll her. And there's a moment in the film where, you know, that guy tries to crack on to Jennifer Lawrence Yeah, yeah. and she denies him twice. And by the second time he's calling her, may I swear on your show? Oh, yeah, of course. You may yeah by the second time he's calling her a fucking cunt and when it happens in the film you're like uh and then you think about it and you're like that's what happens all the time in chat rooms to to teenage girls on social media all the time people think that like oh if you don't immediately accept me then i can instantly call you a fucking cunt and you know so for me the film is full of the the people that keep coming into her house and destroying her they're like they're like a phone that whose notifications never stop beeping and you might look (laughs) at it and might call you a fucking cunt and so to me that is the strongest reading of the film for me right yeah, now that's but that, interesting. Is my mirror. Yeah. that is my mirror that is my mirror and I'm sure that you know for anyone because the film is so rich and even though he wrote it in five days he rehearsed it for ages a yeah. month. Yeah, he worked on it for months and months months so it actually is tight
0: yeah. and he that's just the thing. did
2: this five page blueprint a five day blueprint right. but he worked on it for months he
0: wrote the first draft in five days that's the other yeah. thing Like, I, I, and, and again it, him having this narrative of him writing it in five days definitely fits the narrative of, of creation of creation and, and yeah. the analogy of him being God uh, but like the, the, you're absolutely right like this was written and then revised to shit as he rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed so it's yeah. a nice little story for the press junkets and it fits his yeah. meta narrative of creator as God uh, but it, uh, I don't know if true you know, the, <laughs> and, and when if you've ever read you know as you know if you've ever read books
2: about meaning in like Coppola's films or Scorsese's yeah. films or Roman Polanski's films or David Lynch's films or Cronenberg's films, you know that there's so much in there that they've figured out over time. And so he's spoken to this costume designer and said, just do a little bit of this. And it doesn't matter if nobody gets it, but it's there. Yeah. yeah. And this film is full of that. It doesn't matter if you don't
1: get it, but it is there. Yeah. Everything is a deliberate choice in this film and it's hard to deny, yeah. deny anything is that. I, I would have, uh, CJ, for you, the thing that kind of also resonated for me, uh, uh, that I thought was interesting and you being the father of, of a younger girl uh, might've played a little more um, uh, as I would have thought is, is the, the, the dynamics of the relationship between Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem, where it feels she is, she, a, a, and, and I would argue this is, this is a fair criticism of the film. Uh, if, if someone didn't respond to the film is the pa- passivity with which Jennifer Lawrence accepts, uh, Javier Badim's um, her kind his kind of uh, dismissal of her as a as a fully fleshed human beings at times his, his ability to kind of cast her away uh, for the for the adoration of of his supposed fans and and it it set up this this dynamic where she is constantly giving now the reason why I think this actually works is because of the final scene uh, which plays into this idea of art. And and you know, being a creator and the people around you that love you as you try to create, uh, I know this. You know, from <laughs> and this might be too personal, but me being a filmmaker and, and having to make. Oh, films. you've made films, and yeah, and and then feeling like you take advantage of the people around you when you do because you are, you know, on this narcissistic kind of uh, treasure hunt for yourself. So the 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 the. The the dynamics of of a heterosexual relationship in this film are quite troubling. Um,
2: yeah. Well, what, I, what he's done is he's cast God with a man. Yeah. And he's cast Earth with a woman. You know, at its most simplistic, at its most basic. Yeah. And so that that troubling dynamic is there. If he had cast Michelle Pfeiffer or Kathleen Turner in the Javier Bardem role and cast Zac Ephron in the Jennifer Lawrence role, then he would have avoided that
1: well, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's not to, it's, well. It's not it's not necessarily the the hetero heteronormativeness of it all. It's more the passivity with which she is. You know, the the, the way in which she uh, she basically falls into adoration mode. You know, like there is no. She doesn't question the validity of his art or the validity of him himself. You know, like his art is beautiful. By her accounts. And and therefore, when he needs, you know, selfishly to, to rush off to the room to work, he casts her aside. And she accepts that. And that's kind of the nature of the relationship. Even when she's finally had enough of him, you know, she says, you can't even fuck me. And then they have sex and she has a baby. She kind of accepts his... You know, like it's it's not. A, she doesn't reject him. She kind of falls back into the into the into the role of of mother and and the wife in this relationship, which which arguably has some tints of domestic abuse. It's not necessarily direct domestic abuse, but there is some elements of of her. And, There's and I, definitely
0: the seeds of it. There's yeah. definitely the mental aspect, if not the physical. You know,
1: but I think, wow. I'm just I'm just realizing that Noah. <laughs> you you
2: have
0: to watch Noah in the middle of this film.
1: <laughs> right. And yeah. and see where where, right where when, God wh- ran off. Yeah, so yeah,
0: here's what here's what it would be. It would be those assholes would be sitting on the sink and they're like that sink's not braced yet and then the sink breaks and the pipes go and everyone runs out then Intimation you pause it and, and you watch Noah. No.
2: No, I think you watch Noah after Canaan after the
0: Cain and Abel bitch. Well, oh, I guess so she maybe gets you pregnant. have to, maybe you have to intercut it because I know there's parts before the flood of Noah <laughs> no. and then yeah, I'm sure yo YouTube go cut that together for me. And, uh, and what we'll, I, what I actually we'll watch love
1: about all of that is the way in which God, you know, if you if you read it as metaphor for God in this film, which I think is hard not to do, uh, has no control over his followers, and the way in which followers interpret his message whatever it may be they interpret his work is completely beyond his capacity to understand
0: but he also don't care as long as they love him yeah he kind of and continues to engage in it is the narcissist god yeah. and I love it mm. and it even fits what what really and obviously it's it's hearkening back to I mean if you want to bring this down to the the micro level of just sort of human uh, you know heterosexual male female or not even that just in a power dynamic of two people in a relationship uh, if one is sort of like creator another one is a giver it can get it can get dangerous it can get abusive you know etc etc but a god in this scenario this this narcissistic god who is uh, you know there's a cycle based on the beginning of the end of this movie who is literally just doing this over and over again because he can is acting exactly the way he would to mother nature or sort of the first thing he's created to then blossom everything else out because she's uh, in this case completely disposable to him because he can just keep doing it over and over again and get all the different kinds of adoration, understanding, misunderstanding and it doesn't matter because he's god and he can do whatever the fuck he wants. I, I to me that narcissist god.
1: To me that actually resonated most as the as a creator as as like someone who makes art and the way in which you you use other people for your art and then you hi, you know like at the end of it when she says I've got no more nothing else to give. And he's like he, hey. He, he just he harvests what he's taken from her, and he be, and he begins again. And I, I think for me, I, you know what I what I loved is the, is the metaphor of God evolved into something more personal for me. And I think uh, I would argue kind of fits Aronofsky as a filmmaker. Um, yeah, could I? And could that's, I oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. What's your third tier? Um, yeah. What's th- your third tier? My third tier is if you've gotten to the, if you've gotten past the the watching film as metaphor. If the metaphor works for you, uh, the final tier is whether you are. I, I would guess that if you're into this third tier, you are probably a film uh, a person who loves film. And the question here is: Can is, is if you're willing to accept Aronofsky's methodology for telling story because another, you know, like, um, yes, we we understand that he, he works at the level of metaphor here, but, but so do filmmakers like Michael Haneke, who does not bang you over the head with the metaphor, uh, who works in a much subtler way. And so my, my third tier is, is that you may, that may prevent your enjoyment of this film is once you've gotten past all of that, even if the, the, the metaphor works for you, if you find the kind of, the willingness with which aronofsky is willing to uh, engage in violence and in gore and and in, in a way that feels like it's kind of poking and and provoking the audience uh, if that doesn't work for you if you're not the kind of person that likes las von trier for example that might be the point at which you dislike this film
2: yeah, yeah that's a that's a really good point yeah i but... think you've got to be able to accept that aronofsky operates at a very loud level, yeah. at, at a very aggressive level.
0: But and, and I'd hope that if you get to tier three of your three-tiered system, uh, that that would be a very small, uh, finite group of people, because, I mean, look, yes, there are moments in this film that are truly fucking terrible and disturbing. Now, do, are those images that I... Enjoy seeing no, but they're there for a reason. And what I have a problem with is even if people have gotten to this point and then they see, for instance, uh, you know, the the ultraviolet scene to uh, to Jennifer Lawrence. Scene. Well, oh, there's a <laughs> or G- or the, the there's two there's yeah. two of them. There's yeah. one to the CG baby, mm-hmm. and there's another one, uh, to Gen- uh, acted upon Jennifer Lawrence, Jennifer character. Lawrence, and um. I mean, one is, I would argue that Jennifer Lawrence one, at least personally was far more disturbing to me than CG baby was. You're not a parent. <laughs> totally.
2: Well, I didn't, You didn't see the baby actually being torn apart. I no, think you I, should see the baby actually being torn apart. Uh, uh, just that,
0: for anyone who hasn't me. seen this yet. Yeah. Uh, basically the baby is born. It's basically an allegory for Jesus. Uh, God finally gives it to uh, its followers is to sort of see they crowd surf it along as it pees. <laughs> and then they, they quote accidentally break its neck. And then the next thing we see is they're eating it. Uh, basically pieces of it. Uh, apart, uh, basically symbolizing uh, the Eucharist. Is that what the, 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 the Eucharist? Yeah, the body um, of Christ. Yeah. So, uh, but this time in fun, bloody Jello mold flavor. Uh, the, but yeah, I, I get the the parent analogy. I I, uh, I mean, as much as I can not being no, no, one. I, and I'm
1: not saying that it doesn't necessarily, but but of for course, me being
0: a parent seeing a I baby know. being harmed. But, but if I was to say what scene looked more real. Uh, Or what? What? No, Oliver. Let me rewind. What scene felt more real? <laughs> it was that one. I was the yeah, Jennifer Lawrence. I couldn't Lawrence agree
2: one. with you more. That was the most disturbing imagery in the film to me. Is when when that when the violence occurs to Jennifer Lawrence's yeah. body. That was really that was really it, that really literally pulled no punches, and I was actually surprised yeah. it went there because in a way. The baby thing—we're all sort of in our heads, aware that they're not really harming a baby, right? And of course, we know that they're not really harming, you know, the actress who lives in Hollywood named Jennifer Lawrence. But it was shown with a certain degree of realism and effectiveness that was really quite disturbing. And
1: and it's and again, it plays at a level that is not subtle either. And I think and I think this is the point of that third tier, which is that if it's if 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 you know if you're if you don't buy into the way in which Aronofsky makes films if you don't you know like from the point of view if you're a person that doesn't like the way in which aronofsky uses split screen in requiem for dream because you think it's too on the nose then i think the things that he does here are probably going to piss you off even more and that yeah. might be yeah. the point at which you fall off this movie
2: yeah. uh, i think your tears are great i thought you were third tier i thought it was going to go in a different direction <laughs> i thought you were going to go like you know metaphor and then the metaphor he's talking about and then the third tier what do you think of the performances? Right. (laughs) I mean, well, well, to be honest with you, Michelle
1: Pfeiffer was pretty good. She's back. (laughs) I I mean, I would, uh, you know, the thing is, is the, the, the third tier really encapsulates the, the, the delivery method of this, of this uh, particular production. And it's, and it can encapsulate, you know, if you don't think the performances, if you think the performances go OTT, or if you think that the, the, the use of, I mean, you had a problem with the, um, with the point of view thing, but not enough, you know, it obviously worked to you, but it's not enough to kind. Of throw you off this movie. And I think that's where everything. Yeah. And I, I, I. Uh, you know, in fact, the first time uh, in this film when the um, when they do the kind of perspective thing they do a really unusual thing that I noticed, which is that, um, you know, most often if you're doing a two shot between two people, there are repeated over the shoulders. So basically, if I'm shooting Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem, I shoot over Javier Bardem's shoulder, then I shoot over Jennifer Lawrence's shoulder to kind of uh, mirror the two shots. But what they did at the beginning of this film that I actually thought was a little clumsy and I didn't enjoy it is that they would shoot uh, Jennifer Lawrence from a one uh, as a as a one person setup, so you wouldn't see Javier Bardem in her frame. But then they would jump over to Javier Bardem's, and you would see um, uh, you would see her at the back of his frame. Right, and it was it was sort of like this odd, you know, like it's not it's not a traditional way to kind of stitch those two scenes together. But but. Uh, as we kind of talked about earlier, it's hard not to see anything in this movie because it's operating on a level that almost no other mainstream movie is doing as a deliberate choice. Um, And so even if I don't like that per se, I can't, you know, I can't futz with it because this is what this film is.
0: It's funny. Even normally the stuff that in in a story that, and there's not any really stories like this, I could say, but something I've talked about on this show before is I normally hate (laughs) Uh, films, novels, anything uh, about writers. Right. Uh, I think it's the most just sort of pretentious kind of bullshit, just like patting yourself on the back, you know, masturbatory sort of activity. Mm. And, I think a reason why I like this movie so much too, just another sort of layer of it, is basically uh, that it does that, and then it's like, "Yup, this is what this is, motherfucker!" Like it just it bu- it buys into that th- that theory of like, "Yeah, creator is God." the end and I'm like oh well I can't even critique them for doing that because they just basically wrote it on the blackboard right in front of me uh, in giant block letters and I'm like well that's one of the first clues you get actually to its
2: non-literalness is when his art is that he's a poet because the moment that happens, you're like, oh, come on.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, If
2: this was real, he could be a novelist or he could be a screenwriter yep. or he could be writing a nonfiction book. But if he's a poet, then that doesn't work. You know yeah, what I, exactly. you know, that's your
1: first clue. You know what I actually really adored was the moment in which she reads his poetry. Um, yeah, and me we, too. And amazing we, shot, yeah, amazing performance from her. Amazing performance from her, but also we don't hear the poetry. We just see images of the rebirth of the planet. Yeah, and it's obviously the New Testament, and it, and and it's it's this amazing thing that I think. Uh, works really well in this film, which is that it's a, this understanding that obviously it's a it's a visual medium, and if if we had Jennifer Lawrence read out some poem about the Earth, you know, um, <laughs> even <would> <laughs> if, if it, Even if it was as you know as fine as Pablo Neruda's fa- finest poem, it would be probably be terrible. And and this is you know I uh, the uh, there's a there's a Korean film uh, poetry by Lee Chang Dong, which has this basic moment in it where we hear poetry for the first time. You know, we hear a poem that's been talked about for the entire film. And when, when I heard it, and I'm not a person who loves poetry. Uh, when I heard it, I, I was, I fell in love with poetry. And I think what was amazing and lovely about this particular scene is it translates poetry into a medium that works for what this film is actually operating on. Um, yeah. And it was just, you know, it's an exa- for, 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 all the cries of of Aronofsky being unsubtle and perhaps um, uh, hitting you over the head with metaphor and symbolism. I think that is a, a lovely moment of restraint and an example of uh, again how deliberate this film was, even even as a provocation. Can yeah. I just
2: flip? Can I just flip the point of view for a second? Sure. Um, you know, Cinema Score F. Shahir Dowd's Facebook feed. People mm-hmm. saying the, how awful they thought the film was. Go over to, you know, Rotten Tomatoes and notice that critics around the world have given this film at least a 70 fresh. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of critics who love it. It's going to be in a lot of critics' top ten lists. certainly going to be in mine. I think it's going to be number two for me right now. Yeah. It's, you know, let's let's not look at this as a bad film. Let's look at this as a fantastic film that is essentially universally celebrated and it just, you know, the, the people who, speak the loudest in the first few seconds after something happens are the naysayers. But why don't we look at this film as actually something that's universally regarded as really good?
1: Well, the only thing I would say about that, that has, that has been concerning me of late is that there is a, there is a growing disconnect between what critics love and what audiences love. And and I talked about this a little bit in our it uh, episode where I kind of feel like, there was a, a growing I felt like a disconnect between the fact that people seem to be around me, seem to be enjoying this movie, but I didn't think it was a good movie. And I think the the the, the troublesome part about this disconnect is that um, I'm not sure which point the twain shall meet. Uh, and, you know, and I and
0: Infinity War.
1: Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. Uh, but perhaps, <laughs> may, maybe you're right. Maybe Infinity War will turn the whole thing around for me. Um, but, but you know, I, I do sort of... I worry about, uh, yes, I agree that there are uh, critics loving this film, but audiences don't seem to be responding to it. And audiences aren't responding to it with dollars. And audiences matter, you know, critics matter in terms of the end of the year when a film can be, you know, nominated for awards and and bring acclaim and
0: prestige to But don't they only matter just to get audience there?
1: Well, they can help to get audiences there, but if audiences don't turn up, that is also that's possibly more damning than if a critic if, if a film is widely loved. I uh, think
2: this film has got to get nominated for multiple
0: Oscars.
1: I think it's uh, too. It's been released in just the wrong period of time to
0: do that. I think it'll be nominated. I don't think it'll yeah. win much of anything. I I, I, I think, think it'll be nominated
2: for production design, cinematography, Michelle Pfeiffer.
0: I At I least.
2: I really I look possibly I, best director.
1: I I would have totally agreed with you if it had been released in December. Right. Um I think it's been released this early um perhaps because there was a a feeling that the provocation might be too heavy, but I also think the film would have actually played better in December. Um, right. Merry Christmas. You know, I think it would have played better <laughs> In the award season, yeah, <laughs> it's Jesus the on the cross. Movie. You're right; it it is. I mean, it's, it's a
2: religious movie. It's you know, the Christmas best Christmas movie. movie of the year. It may have been. Fear they should about- have
1: released it on Christmas Day. Oh God, that would have been amazing. It would have been so good. I think there might have just been a fear of like provoking too much at that point. I don't know. Look, I I'm speculating entirely on the marketing. I I, I my feeling is. Yes, uh, this is at this point one of my favorite films of the year, without a doubt. And this is wrapping up into my yeah. yeah, Go your final thoughts. Let's do it. This is definitely one of my favorite films of the year. I am so excited by this movie. I'm excited not just by what this movie is, but by but by the fact that this movie exists and that it present and and that it is working at a palette that we uh, on a canvas that we don't often see in mainstream films and with big stars. And you know, like who would have thought Andrew Zalowski, the director of Precision would you know I, I who's no who's no longer with us but a film that would have sat right alongside his film position would be in mainstream theaters right now and provoking conversation with mainstream moviegoers um and and that to me uh, is the you know is again a miraculous thing, but but on a purely metaphorical story resonant level, this film also functions so well in in its in its in its take on the biblical story, in its take on religion, in its take on art as creation. Um, it is a much more profound piece of storytelling than, uh, Noah is. Um, and, and I just adore this film. And I, and I think, you know, I, I apologize to Annie. Uh, she's sort of been set up as the straw man in this argument here, uh, in terms of her response to the film. I don't, if you don't like this film, I can totally, uh, uh, see your point of view. I can totally see, uh, how, this film can just put you off if this is not what you're into if if you're if you're not tense by this movie in the way that you were in it uh, i can i can understand that but i think this movie you know just as a comparison point against it has a lot more to offer the world it does what cinema should do and it does what i want out of movies and 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 that is not necessarily what i what I enjoy and what I like, but it's what I feel feeds my soul, uh, both as a film goer and as a filmmaker.
0: All right. That was passionate. Uh, I guess I'll go. So then CJ can have the, the last word. Uh, look, I mean this, you're, you're looking at a film that you go into it and you're thinking it is a story about like kind of a horror movie where there's like a kind of maybe abusive husband and the wife's kind of trapped in a house and you get the Christian explanation of how the planet earth was created and then destroyed. (laughs) And you're like, what like i was not expecting it uh i love i love the god as egomaniac and again i go back to the question how could god not be uh you it's like you only love that i love you that's what jennifer lawrence is basically saying to javier bardem in this film like that's that's it it's this egomania i just love i just love the ego thing uh what else oh i love i loved all of the little extra symbolism obviously the age differential is sort of an excuse if you want to read it in a way that well that's the earth when it was young the crystal breaking rep- Represents the apple from the Garden of Eden. Uh, the 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 sink in the pipes obviously is the world not supporting uh, the weight or the evil that was put upon it. Therefore, the flood. Uh, the bloody hole in the floor uh, is kind of representative of the the first murder because that's basically what happened. The yellow powder I still think is the sun. Oh my god! And the, is it hot in here? Or is it just me? Harold line uh, <laughs> from from uh, Kristen Wiig, which uh, by the way was written by Aronofsky's son. Oh, really? That line was written by his son, uh, and he's like, this is that's genius. That's great. <laughs> um, you know, I, I guess uh, the, it, this this movie to me, uh, I, I agree with Shahir's sort of sentiment. The, I think the world would be a better place if all the people that watch this movie actually really just got beyond it's visceral ugh like that sort of cuz there's moments of horror in this film that any per- human being should be like that is terrifying and awful but if you just took the time to actually see what was pay, pay attention to the man behind the curtain in this sort of scenario. Uh and and t- pay attention to the multitude of metaphor that you can sort of glean from this film. Uh hell, I mean, even the the rebirth aspect. I was I you know I, I want to see it, I don't think this is true, but uh it wouldn't it be amazing if that first image of the woman's face we see was Rachel Weiss? It kind of looked it like it looked yeah. like her, it looked <laughs> like her, and that's so egotistical, like Aronofsky would do, and that God would do, and it's so fucking cynical and perfect. I just really think if you didn't like this film watch it again and watch it without the ugh. I'm so I, I don't like this film watch it from a sense of all of these diff, like different angles you can take it from and uh, yeah I'm buying this thing this mm-hmm. thing is great you're drinking the Kool-Aid yeah I'm drinking that yellow sun powder Fuck it, hook me up CJ take us home <laughs> well Everything that Shaheer
2: said, everything that you just said, Matt, I agree with entirely. This is among my three favourite films of the year thus far. The other two are Raw and Personal Shopper. Oh. And all three oh, I of need them are yeah. metaphorical films that are horror-adjacent. So, you know, I think that's really a thing this year. I mean, there's also films like Get Out yeah. that are horror-adjacent. It comes at night that are metaphorical and horror-adjacent that have a lot more to say but are also sort of playing with genre. I love that it exists. One of the other big things that I got out of it, like as an instant read, like straight away, like the first thing I thought of was that whether it is, you know, God and Jesus or whether it is modern stupid celebrities for the sake of being celebrities, where they've been on reality shows or whether they've got big lips or whatever, or serious artists who are also highly acclaimed, they are all, they all, the worship of them is all cult-like, whether it's Jesus or whether it's Pablo Neruda or whether it's the Kardashians, it's all a cult.
0: Yep.
2: So worship of singular human beings is all a cult, and I think that's a really interesting thing the film is playing with. And also just as a technical Film, I think it's incredible. I think the performances are amazing, considering that they're all playing metaphors. I think Ed Harris is phenomenal. I think Javier Bardem's casting is just perfect. You know, hypermasculine, middle-aged, <laughs> physically strong, but also these beautiful, tender eyes. You know, all the contradictions inherent in being Javier Bardem huh. are right for the character. And like Birdman, yeah. it is a visceral thrill. Yeah. It is a non-stop visceral thrill ride of a movie. Metaphor aside, it's just it's propulsively exciting as a piece of handheld cinema.
1: Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more with you. I, and I mean, look, now the three of us might be called pretentious for loving this movie <laughs> we might have formed it into on, the i wear it proudly yeah but, yeah but but i i wear it proudly and i would i will defend this film to the dead
0: and i dare someone to call me fucking pretentious look at my fucking favorite movies No, no 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 there's literally no pretension in this this is just yeah, no. this is literally filmmaking at one of its highest levels and 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 i can't even believe i'm saying this because i i i hate stories about writers I hate them, and this movie is wonderful. Uh, No, there's there's zero pretend. I I know when I can be pretentious to be fully honest, and this is not one of those times. Uh, And he's really set the bar for like
2: arturist final cut cinema released by a major studio. Yeah, someone's going to have to really. Uh, By also, kind
0: of cutting himself down at the knees, showing his true colors about what he thinks of this. Like it's just weird. Everything (laughs) is a fucking circle in this movie. I mean, I don't think it paints a very positive (laughs) portrait of him. No, it does not. And I I, I I hope he knows that because if he did it's ballsy and it's and it's honest. I would advise his 10 year old son not to
2: see this film <laughs> for a while. Yeah.
1: But you know what I would have loved is like the studio giving, I would have loved to have seen the studio notes on this movie. Oh me. my god. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen like the the executive editor, you know the executive who comes in with their own editor who tries to like chop this movie up and it's just, it's one of those movies that's such a, such a demonstration of a personal vision that that there's no way to chop this up that makes it better in any way. Like, even if you yeah. can, you know, even if trimming it down makes it shorter and sharper, it's not the film that was intended.
0: The first note would be to read the poem. The yeah, first right. note would be to read the poem. We, do you think we can see the poem? Do you think we can see the poem? And, yeah. and is it going to be an, an I Am a could we, could we get Morgan Freeman to read the poem? Oh yeah, us? Morgan Freeman <laughs> would be great. Here, let me, I know his agent. Let's get him on the phone. <laughs> and that would be how this movie crumbles. <laughs> uh, wow. Anyway, uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for this discussion. This has been the only podcast about the film Mother. Mother. Uh, CJ, when you are not uh, helping us b- blow minds and see new meanings inside of uh wonderful film, where can... Folks, find you.
2: Please watch my web TV show, Watch This. You can find it at Skippy TV, that's S K I P I dot TV. Subscribe to my free podcast, Movie Land, all one word. That's uh, through the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, ABC. And also read my reviews at filmmafia.com.au. AU is for Australia, filmmafia, all one word.
1: Fantastic. Big fans of your work. Yes. Uh, CJ, thank you so much for coming along and helping us with this discussion.
2: I, I This is such a great film to talk about. I've loved it. Yeah.
1: Matt, how about yourself? Where can we find you when you are not uh, accusing the uh, the our one true overlord as a narcissist? Oh, he knows it and he <laughs> loves it. You can
0: find me singing that narcissist. Well, not praises, just knowing he exists. Kind of. Does he? I don't know what i am been saying anymore. MatthewKroll.com is where you can find my existential ramblings. Also, you can find me at Skeletor, the number four P-R-E-Z on Instagram and EmperorMSK on Twitter. You know, that Twitter handle isn't narcissistic. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. Shaheer... <laughs> Where 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 are you? Where, are you? where, where am
1: I? Uh, you can find all of my work at ShahirDaud.com. That's S H A H I R D A U D. Please write us in with your thoughts on Mother, whether you passed the three tiers or not of this <laughs> film, and tell us where you where you fell off and why you did why you fell off. We'd love to hear counter opinions, as we know many of them exist. Tell us why world. we're
0: wrong. Tell us. Come at us, bro. (laughs) Don't come at us. I want to hear. uh, No, come. I'm ready for a fight. I'm I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. Yeah. I I love you because you love us. (laughs) Uh, Much like egotistical God. Everybody, we'll see you next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.